0: chapter two of as in a mirror by pansy this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two in search of truth the third day following that warm sunday a human being unmistakably of the genus known as tramp might have been seen slowly making his way down one of the principal business streets of the city he walked with the slouching gait common to that class of people and avoided looking steadily into the eyes of any one he met in a way that is also characteristic of the majority his hair which was brown and plentiful was tossed about in wild disorder and the slouch hat he wore pushed well down over his head was very slouch indeed his dress was cleaner than that of many tramps one noticing him carefully would have decided that he had made an almost painful effort to be clean, and would therefore have set him down at once as belonging to the better class of unfortunates. Still, the dress had many defects. The sleeves were much too short and badly frayed. They had been out at the elbow, but were decently patched with a different material. A calico shirt was buttoned high about the throat and that also was clean but collarless the shoes were decidedly the worst part of the outfit unless the very shabby trousers that dangled above them were worse than the shoes on the whole john stuart king looked furtively at himself as he lounged along uncertain whether to feel most elation or dismay at the success of his disguise he had chosen a street with which he was least acquainted yet he met from time to time people whom he knew well in society for the most part they passed him without so much attention as a glance would have been they recognized him afar off as of another world from theirs and too common a world to awaken the interest of curiosity as he grew bolder he ventured once or twice to speak to men whose name and position he knew asking for work They were men who knew his name perfectly, would have recognized it anywhere, but who did not know him very well by sight. Without exception, they answered him curtly in the negative, without question or remark. They had no work for such as he. He might be very hungry, but it was doubtless his own fault, and in any case there were charities, breakfast missions and what not, for wretches of his stamp. If their faces expressed any thought of him at all, the tramp concluded that it took that form. One young lady startled him, and made him feel that his best course would be to strike out into the country as soon as possible. He had met her several times at receptions and parties, and as she passed him she stared in a startled way, even turning her head to do so, and he heard her voice, "'How much that fellow looks like!' the name dropped from his hearing but he could not but be sure that it was his own the idea laughed her louder-voiced companion and the tramp moved on more rapidly his face flushing deeply under the laugh it gave him strange sensations this walk through the city of his birth incognito true he was not exceedingly well known except in certain circles long absences from home during the years when people changed the most rapidly had cut him off from the recognition of many but to be able to pass those who would have been glad to call themselves his friends had they recognized him and to receive no nod or glance of fellowship had its startling side did the mere matter of clothes count for so much then his speculations were brought to a sudden conclusion yonder approaching rapidly was his most intimate friend arnold fletcher now for the crucial test if fletcher passed him then indeed he could not be himself but he had not intended to test this on a public thoroughfare how came fletcher to be on this street and at this hour he was evidently in haste for he came with long strides looking neither to the right nor the left yes he was passing without so much as a glance suddenly the tramp became courageous could you help me sir to find work of some sort enough to earn my breakfast he said rapidly in the desperate tone that he thought a fellow in his situation ought to use work repeated fletcher slackening his pace and bringing his thoughts back from the tramp could not decide where there is work enough in the world too much to suit my taste the trouble with you probably is that you cannot do any of it decently what kind of work do you want any kind said the tramp but it was an unguarded moment he felt such a thrill of satisfaction in the thought that his friend had not passed him with a frown and a coldly shaken head that he looked full at him and smiled his own rich smile What? said mr fletcher startled and apparently dazed who in upon my word it can't be possible and yet well if that isn't complete why john your own mother wouldn't recognize you hush said john warningly you talk too loud for the public street and you are too familiar the question is have you any work for me yes said fletcher laughing now heartily what a scarecrow you have made of yourself to be sure at first sight i did not dream it was you and yet i was expecting to see you i'll give you something to do you go and call on dr talbert that's a good fellow he'll have work for you see if he doesn't or a cup of coffee and a sandwich or something of the sort which is better he is bound to you know according to your theories just try it i'll give a thousand dollars to home missions if you will when i earn it hush said john again this time in really warning tones two men were approaching whom both knew fletcher took the hint and as they passed was saying in dignified tones there is an associated charity station not more than a mile from here you go down there i don't know exactly where it is but you can inquire one of the gentlemen glanced back with a superior smile being victimized fletcher don't waste your time the fellow needs the lock-up more than he needs charity you know quite as much about the station as the most of them i presume said king when they were alone again never mind i shall do without a breakfast i'm going to leave town i shall tramp as far as circle town this very day i presume remember that one john stewart will be looking there for letters good-bye thank you for your sympathy it has done me good john said the other detaining him with a hand and looking anxious do be persuaded to give up this absurdity what would your mother say above all what would elizabeth think of you at least do not go away without any money have you really no money with you not a cent with a genial smile i am honest you see and i am doing nothing of which i have need to be ashamed i am simply testing for myself a phase of life that is only too common as for the anxiety of my mother and other friends they are to know nothing about it so they will not be troubled if i come to downright grief i'll remember you and your bank account you will be back looking after your own as usual within the month possibly in which case i shall have accomplished all i care to in this line i make no professions of having become a tramp for the remainder of my natural life good-bye fletcher wish me success for you can't dissuade me left to himself Our Tramp considered for the first time the wisdom of following his friend's oft-repeated advice and calling on Dr. Talbert. True, he was a member of his church, but by no means well acquainted with the gentleman. He had but recently returned from an extended trip abroad, and had met his pastor but two or three times at crowded gatherings. The chances that he would be recognized in his present attire were very few." why not test for himself the practical nature of the discourse that had moved him so signally not that dr talbert was pledged to devote himself to the interests of every tramp he saw because he had chosen to speak unusual words in their behalf but a word of sympathy or of exhortation possibly of advice would be likely to be given him how did such men as dr talbert advise such men as he was representing himself to be it was worth risking discovery to learn without more delay he turned his steps in the direction of dr talbert's handsome residence he had chosen an unfortunate day that evening would occur dr talbert's regular midweek lecture for which he made as careful preparation as he did for the sabbath services he was late in reaching his study and he was pre-eminently a man who did not like to be disturbed when he reached there be sure no one in his employ would be so rash as to call him down to see a tramp but it so happened that an imperative summons had called him to the parlor and compelled him to show his visitor out and the visitor had come on church business that had an edge in it for the pastor there was much such business that outsiders know not of There was a frown on the good man's face as his eyes rested on the forlorn specimen of tramp life, who humbly asked for work, and his voice was harsh in reply. No, I haven't any work, and if I had, I would not give it to a fellow who doesn't know enough to go to the back door. The tramp's face reddened. He had not so much as remembered that there were back doors. He was not used to them he tried to stammer an apology and repeated his willingness to do any kind of work for the sake of a breakfast breakfast repeated dr talbert with an irritable glance at his watch it is much nearer dinner than breakfast time my whole morning frittered away it is a shame no sir i haven't any work nor any breakfast for you nor a moment's time to waste on you my morning is gone already and the door was literally slammed in his face it was not dr talbert's ordinary manner he was a sincere man and on almost any other occasion would have tried to live up in a measure at least to his sunday morning eloquence he would have been dismayed had he known with what an utterly disappointed heart the tramp turned from his door saying to himself as he did so i believed in him and he has spoiled it john stewart king the scholar and author was not wont to make sweeping deductions on slight proof but with the dress of a tramp he had apparently taken on something of his surface character at least his heart felt very sore and sad at this rebuff he moved away slowly moralizing as he went were fletcher's cynical views of life the nearer right after all was there no such thing as downright sincerity in this world he believed himself to be a lover of truth to a marked degree he had personified truth and admired her and worshipped her and written about her in a way that others had well nigh worshipped and fletcher had assured him that it was all very fine on paper and important too of course people must have ideals but as for finding real flesh and blood specimens moving about that was not to be expected and he had contended that the world held many whose daily lives were as carefully patterned after truth as were his ideals had he been mistaken he looked down at himself and sighed then as he caught his own reflection in a plate-glass window he was passing he laughed a laugh that already had in it a touch of bitterness the very costume that he wore and that he had been at such pains to secure taught him the same hateful lesson he had visited pawnbrokers shops and second-hand clothing shops without number and been almost in despair the wardrobe of the decent poor was not apparently what he needed where was he to find his need and then he had bethought himself of those furnishing shops for amateur theatrical entertainments and hurrying thither had found exactly what he was searching for private entertainment the obsequious attendant had asked as he studied his customer and then he had been complimented on his selection of character and assured that his part would be perfect what a humiliating thought it was that to a degree everybody was playing a part No one was strictly and solemnly and continually himself. The bitterness went out of his laugh after a little. The matter had its comic side. Surely he should not be at war this morning against all shams, when he had for the first time in his life got himself up for as complete a sham as possible. But I have a purpose, he told himself quickly, and one that justifies the method neither am i planning to be a continuous sham i shall lay all this aside very soon probably i wonder if i am half tired of it already john Stuart, what you need is to get away from the city you have always contended that the truest people the world contained were to be found in the country now tramp out and prove it perhaps in all his cultured years that had been filled with opportunities During no single day did John Stuart King learn more about human nature than on that first one of his new life. Men, women, and children all contributed to his education. Be sure it was a new experience to him to have young and pretty women look at him with curious, distrustful eyes and cross the street to avoid too close contact. Before twelve o'clock he was genuinely hungry, and offered with some degree of anxiety to bring pails of water from the wells that began to dot the country through which he traveled or to do anything else that he could think of for a dinner five times he was refused once with hesitation and a lingering regret in the eyes of a woman who hadn't anything to spare three times with cold indifference and once with positive fire of tongue and slam of door being very hungry he tried again though he began to admit to himself that it would be easier to steal something the sixth woman gave him two pieces of very stale bread in a not over clean paper bag and added a bone that had once had meat on it i'm afraid to refuse em he heard her explain in a supposed undertone to someone inside for fear they'll fire the buildings or do something ugly i've read of such things so even this was not charity but the receiver ate it with a relish that daintier fare had not always found the woman evidently looked furtively at him occasionally from some loophole and continued her remarks he ain't bad-looking not as tramps go he don't look real mean as some of em do and his clothes is pretty clean and patched up kind of decent I shouldn't wonder if he had a mother somewheres who had done her best to make him look decent visions of his mother patching the clothes he wore were almost too much for the tramp's risibles he ate the last mouthful hastily and moved on philosophizing the while over the power with which he could describe the value of stale bread and bones where meat had been for a full hour his sympathies were entirely on the side of the tramp then he met one so repulsive in appearance that he instantly justified the woman who had been afraid of him it was a new experience to be accosted as he was any luck that way pal nodding in the direction from which he had come i haven't found any work yet if that is what you mean spoken in the tone that in his former grade of life would have been called cold the man gave a disagreeable sneer Oh, that's your dodge, is it? He said. I can tell you I've had worse trials in life than not finding work. Did you spot any of the houses? Did I what? Mark the houses where they treated you decent and gave you coffee or lemonade or something. You must be a green one. Don't you carry no chalk nor nothing with you to mark the places? Then you're a hard-hearted wretch If you can't do so much for your fellow tramps as that, you ought to go to the lockup. The healthy, clean-looking man found himself shrinking from this specimen with a kind of loathing. Would it be possible for him to fraternize with such as he, even to study human nature? Then, curiously enough, at that moment, for almost the first time since he started out, he thought of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a lonely man he must have been. End of chapter 2